Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, March 22nd. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 42, second paragraph. It starts with, then they outlined, and we'll just be reading and commenting on that one paragraph. So today's readers are for the 12 Steps. Tenzin P, 12 Traditions, Kathy R. The readers of the text will be Lynn F, Barbara E, Susan M. The reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, March 21st, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 11192, 11192, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 11193, 11193. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive Overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tenzin P. Now I will ask Kathy R. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Kelly. This is Kathy R. in the Tampa Bay, Florida area. These are the 12 traditions of our wonderful program. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Number three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should rem- should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose to pass it, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Number nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, public relations, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And finally, number 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all the traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the honor of doing this service, and have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Kathy R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book 
We are on page 42 on the second paragraph, starting with then they outlined, and we will just be reading and commenting on that one paragraph, and Lynn F. will get us going. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Lynn F. recovered here in snowy Pennsylvania. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Though I had been only a nominal churchman, their proposals were not intellectually hard to swallow. But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. That was not easy. But the moment I made up my mind to go with the process, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. Um, in my book, I have um, most, I have this underlined and starred and the word willingness in the column. And, um, and that brings to mind this illustration of willingness for me is um, so pivotal in my recovery and it's unlike um, anything else in my life where I had to, um, I had to be willing. I, I never understood willingness, I guess, until recovery, what it really meant. And um, comparatively to the pay and wait programs, you know, I just had to show up and check in and give them my money and um, I could lose weight, right? And I could be better and I would feel fine. And if I could just have the willpower to muster through and to do what they said, and, you know, I always fell short. I didn't understand why I always fell short. I didn't always, I didn't, never understood why I didn't have enough willpower. Um, and then coming into recovery and especially coming into the big book and understanding that willingness is um, where I get to be humble. I get to put down my sword and I get to pick up the spiritual toolkit and do what is outlined and and believe what the others have shared for me with me and um and join what others are doing and uh, that's where my recovery began being willing so with that I'll pass thanks for letting me share thank you Lynn F okay so who would like to share on that one paragraph Larry K Lauren N. Jen A. Harlan G. Rowanna M. Okay, hang on just one second, please. So right now I have Tina S., Amy G., Larry K., Lauren N., Harlan G., Rowanna M., and I missed somebody, like Anna or somebody. You missed No, I heard... I heard somebody, I heard a bunch of names, but there was somebody that, that was. Um, Tens and okay. okay, well, let's stop there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and just remute for a star one. We'll be doing another round of sharing. So here's the lineup. Tina S., Amy G., Larry K., Lauren N., Harlan G., Rowan M., and Barbara E. We will start with Tina S., followed by Amy G. Hey, Tina. Okay, can you hear me, Kelly? 
I can. Okay. Thanks so much for your service, Kelly. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great paragraph. You know, I I love it. You know, initially when I got here and they said that, when I read that they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, I thought, ah, this spiritual thing, not not quite sure about that. I didn't, really did not come here to get spiritual. And action, you know, I was never taking much action. I always wanted people to do things for me and, and things to just happen to me. And, and then it talks here, it talks about that it, though the program of action was entirely sensible, it was pretty drastic. You know, and it was pretty drastic. You know, I can remember somebody telling me that I only had to change one thing, and that was everything. You know, and today that's the good news because all the thinking and all the behaviors and all the stuff that I did prior to coming to recovery got me a seat in several 12-step programs, you know. And so over one day at a time, you know, I'm, I'm able to, through the 12 steps, to change me, you know, not you. You know, you may still be the same. The issue I have today is me, you know. And so when I go through the process, and the process they talk, they're talking about is the 12 steps, you know, to have a spiritual awakening to have a transformation, to have that distance from the head to the heart to really become what I am today and what I do today. And then it talks about that, that, that he had the curious feeling that its alcoholic condition was relieved. And that happens for me one day at a time. I am free. I am free from this addiction. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina. Next up is Amy G. followed by Larry K. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. They outlined the spiritual answer. You know, as we've been reading in this book and, and, and learning over the last few weeks, you know, we have a twofold, I have a twofold disease. I have a physical allergy. That aspect is physical. Yes, I have a mental obsession. So the aspect is mental. You know, it talks about in the big book, the problem centers in my mind. But the answer is spiritual. Is a process through which I work the 12 steps that I have a spiritual awakening. And it does seem drastic. I mean, I don't know about you all, but coming into this program as a newcomer and, and hearing these steps and going, what do you mean? I thought I just, needed, I just needed a diet. I just need to, you know, fix my weight. But it turns out my weight was only the symptom and the problem was me. And that if I was truly powerless, like it's talked about in the prior paragraph, that crushing blow of my powerlessness and my inability to stop putting my binge foods into my mouth, then I needed an answer. And the answer couldn't be physical. The answer couldn't be therapy. The answer had to be spiritual because me, myself, and I could not stop binging and purging. So what was I going to do? I had to find a different answer. And this book, in whom the problem had been solved, approached me of what the answer what the answer is and it's a spiritual one. I mean it says it even better. Why listen to me? I mean the big book says it better in the chapter there is a solution. It says here in italics, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we are approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up this simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. So that spiritual answer seemed drastic, but I had nowhere else to go. Those lifelong conceptions, those old ideas, again, talking about it in the big book and how it works, 
You know, we thought we could hold on to our old ideas, but the result was nil until we had to let go, until we let go absolutely. And I had to let go, and I had to look at those in whom the problem had been solved, holding the big book in their hand, saying, we have a solution here. If you truly are who you say you are and conceded to your innermost self that you are a compulsive overreader, we have a solution. They said a program of action which a hundred of them had followed successfully. This was no theory. This was a program of action that works, and it still works today. The moment I make up my mind and I make a decision to, to turn over and admit my powerlessness, and come to believe in a power greater than myself, and begin to work this program, it all works if we're willing to work it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amy G. Next up, Larry K., followed by Lauren N. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks for your service. Um, But the program of action, though entirely sensible, was pretty drastic. I'm going to have to throw out many of my preconceived notions here. I'm going to have to throw them out the window. And I'm going to need to do this because my conceptions are going to lead my perceptions. And and, and why does that matter? Because it's only through the way I perceive the world that will serve to kind of, you know, beat the drums towards taking action. Because I'm never going to take any sustainable actions that are at odds with my perceptions. And, you know, and I'll give you an example. If you're quite certain that the conception of a higher power as a way out of this quicksand is most likely fantasy, you'll invariably, maybe even unconsciously, proceed with the steps consistent with your distrust in the very prescription of what will give you freedom. It will liberate you. And conversely, for one who becomes truly open to a spiritual awakening, maybe it's possible as a means out of this quicksand, they're going to move forward with the steps in a manner that's congruent with humility and hope and trust. So it does take trust in the face of uncertainty. And here's my observation. People often don't see a thing unless they have some idea of what they're looking for, Right. I mean, any, any master, you know, violinist, let's say, they practice thousands of hours in order to, you know, prepare for one concert. So the quantity through a daily walk gives experience. And from that experience alone comes the quality. And because the conceptions lead my perception, you know, I want to cultivate an inner eye. You know, in this sense, the, the, the beauty of this program is not the only intangible that's in the eye in the eye of the beholder i want to look with my eyes but i see with a spiritual mind just be open to it and then when when i do that i see into the world more deeply there was there was a quality aspect to how i worked these steps being open to a spiritual awakening i didn't get that i didn't get that and so i just took actions and there was really no building of of a of a spiritual understanding and i and i got what I put into it, which wasn't a whole lot. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Next up, Lauren N., followed by Harlan G. Hey, Lauren. Good morning, Kelly. Can you hear me? I can. Um, I am so grateful that I have learned how to be I have let myself learn how to be led in this program. 
by all of you on the line and by those who have come here before me. When I try and hold on to my old self, which I do try to do every once in a while, I'm reminded by coming back here every morning how I need to let go and let God show me how to be. My fear kicks up often and when I'm able to realize that I've got that God has my back, I'm able to remember that it's with his grace and her ability to show me how to be that I'm able to accomplish one day at a time being absent and being clean and being happy, joyous, and free. And I come back here every morning to be reminded of that. And I work with others and I follow the directions in this awesome big book so that I can learn how to be outside of myself and to be happy, joyous, and free. And thank you very much, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. Next up, Harlan G., followed by Rowan M. Good morning, Harlan. Thank you, you, Kelly. Good morning, Kelly. And thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. In the paragraph that we read yesterday, we see Fred taking step one when he says, I thought myself alcoholic, excuse me, they asked me if I thought myself alcoholic and if I were really lit this time, that's step one. And then at the end of the paragraph, this process snuffed out the last flicker of conviction that I could do the job myself, step two. Then they outlined the spiritual answer and program of action, which a hundred of them followed successfully. They're getting his attention And for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. They have his attention because a hundred of them had uh, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And then he goes on to say, it meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. What are the four conceptions that I have in my ego-driven madness? that must be thrown out, that somehow I'm different. The ego tells me I'm different. Someday I'll be cured. Conditions will fix this. And last but not least, number four, I'll figure my way out of this. And those are the things that if I let go of, I can recover. But if I hang on to any one of those four ego-driven madnesses, I will not recover And then it goes on to say here, but the moment I made up my mind to go through with the process, step three, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved as in fact it proved to be. There is only one way out of this, and that is through the working of the steps to affect a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps so that I will have no desire to eat compulsively and for 19 years this has worked for me 
and I have refrained from eating compulsively, and I have done so happily. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Next up, Rowan M., followed by Barbara E. Good morning, Rowan. Good morning. This is Rowan. I'm calling from New York. Um, I love this paragraph because, to me, you know, they talked about, they're talking about Fred here, who, how we learned earlier in the chapter that he was a very successful guy, very, you know, very happy in all manners of his life besides this one. And here, you know, he thought self-knowledge would fix him, that, you know, he could use his willpower and self-knowledge to, you know, combat his drinking issue. And here he is in this paragraph really surrendering to this program. And, you know, as Han was saying, like he is, you know, he took steps one and two in the previous paragraph. Now he's at step three and seeing that he does need a spiritual solution. And, you know, it is, it is a, it is hard to swallow. We do need to change every part of our life. And for me, I needed to take a lot of action. I needed to surrender. And what surrender is for me, it's not just saying I'm surrendering. I need to follow that with action every single day. And what that looks like for me is using all the tools, but it's also connecting with my higher power every single day, prayer and meditation and changing so many aspects of my life and taking those contrary actions that that old Roanne in my disease would never have taken. And I really, you know, have gotten to a place where people in my life are describing me in a way using adjectives that I would never have been described as as an older version of myself. So when they say that, you know, everything has to change, I really truly believe that. Um, I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. That was not easy. This is not an easy program. Recovery is never, no one ever said it's going to be easy. It's probably the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life. But every single hurdle, every single experience, even though it was difficult, it's a learning experience. And, And I believe even when I went back to the food, even when I, you know, had a negative experience, you can learn from every single one of them. And the most important thing is not try not to do the same thing again. And that's, that's the insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But I truly believe that time, you know, when he talks about, um, I'll just wrap up, I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved. As soon as he made a decision, um, I felt that way too. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Rillian. Next up, Barbara E. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, everyone, and thank you to you, Kelly, and everyone else who's doing service today by talking and getting on the line. The words that jumped out for me were 
spiritual answer, program of action, and seemed pretty drastic. They jumped out in bold black letters on the page. It meant throwing out my lifelong my lifelong conceptions of life. And for me, like Fred, I was always one to analyze. I was filled with hubris, excessive pride in my ability to control life. But like Fred, I had to walk the walk I walked. Those men kept coming back until he finally was done. And I, too, was finally done, defeated, all the frothy emotional appeal, the diets, the Optifast, Weight Watchers, Diet Center, they always worked. But I always went back to the food, hundreds of pounds each time. I finally had to let go of my lifelong conceptions, just like Fred. Fred and I were ready. We were without hope. We realized we could not do it alone. My friend Lynn had cancer. She had to undergo stem cell treatment and chemotherapy. It took a lot of work. I'm happy to report she was recovered, but never cured. She had to go back for yearly checkups. Well, it's not quite that easy for me. I have to go back and look at it for daily checkups. I had to go through steps four through nine and live constantly in 10, 11, and 12. It was worth it because every day I wake up an addict and I go to sleep saying, thank you, God. Today, for newcomers, I can tell you from the inner ear of my heart, I have peace and serenity in the midst of calamity without the desire to go back to my compulsive overeating. It allowed me to throw away my old attitudes that had dominated me all my life and brought out the worst in me. But first I had to take one, steps one, two, and three every day until I believed it with the inner ear of my heart. And a spiritual awakening was necessary. It wasn't easy for me but eventually I would get that spiritual awakening. And I realize and I believe that without that continued work, I will eventually go back to the food. And finally, the word I heard was willingness. Willingness was the answer. Work, working with others, time. praying, meditating, and hearing the word time. Welcome, and thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. <clears throat> All right. Well, we are, just as a reminder, where are we? We're on page 42, second paragraph. Then they outlined, we read, and are commenting on just that paragraph. Who would like to share? Melissa R. Nessa R. Okay. All right, all I heard was Nessa R. Nancy P. Nancy P. Leia. Lisa B. Vanessa. Vanessa. Okay, let's stop there. So here's what I got. I didn't get everybody's last initial, but Nessa R. Edimi. Nancy P. Leia. Not sure what your initial was. Lisa B. And Knessa. So let's 
remute our phones by pressing star one. So we can have a nice quiet meeting, starting with Nessa R, then Edini. All right, Nessa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, step two says, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Um, and so I need to understand what is the insanity that I'm being restored from. That insanity is the insanity that precedes the first drink. And that is the subject matter um, of this chapter. Um, and so who restores me from that insanity back to sanity? Um, that one is God, a higher power. And so it says here that we have to throw several lifelong conceptions out the window. Uh, not just set them aside, because when I set something aside, I can reach for it again. I have to throw them out the window, you know, um, uh, ideally in a highway where I cannot stop my car, get out and go pick them up again, you know. So I have to throw them out the window where I um, have no hope for ever recovering them. And the first ideas that I have to throw out the window are my ideas about God, because that is my solution. And I don't have to be an atheist or an agnostic or whatever, um, in order for me to, um, have right kind of God, you know, a good God, a benevolent God, uh, a kind and loving God, not a punishing God. I've also always believed that God is omnipotent and he can do anything he wants, including restoring me to sanity, including removing my mental obsession. Um, but my problem was that I didn't believe that God um, had time for my petty, puny little food issues. Um, and that conception had to go, uh, I had to throw out the window, as long as a whole bunch of other conceptions that people have mentioned before, you know, about life, about how life should be, about um, food, about weight, about anything, about anything. But what this is talking about is primarily my conceptions, my conceptions about God. Because unless I um, am fully convinced that God can and will restore me to sanity if I just do my work, then there's no point in my continuing on uh, reading on the rest of the book or you know continuing on with the rest of the steps. So, so I had to do that. I had to do that. Um, all of us do, um, no matter what our religious conviction or spiritual convictions or the like, because the choice, the choice is, um, you know, to die, to die eating, you know, there's only two alternatives to die eating or to accept spiritual help. And the only way I'm going to accept spiritual help is if I am willing to believe differently than, than what I do, um, right now. And, uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa R. Next up, Irene M., followed by Nancy P. Good morning, Irene. Thank you, Kelly, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit's due. So if I'm not willing, then there's no hope. But if I'm willing, there's so much hope. Not willing, it seems hopeless. Willing, there's hope. 
So we need to be willing and open to be transformed from the inside out. Once I made that decision to focus on the solution that automatically put me into motion to propel towards the answer to my problem, the moment I made up my mind is the moment my ego started to deflate. Because now I'm puffing up the answer and not the problem because what I focus on grows and has a hold on me. It says there is a spiritual answer. This means I'm going to get spiritual eyes and not human eyes. Yes, we need our human eyes, but we need our spiritual eyes to live in this world sanely happy, joyous, and free. And it's all about letting go of the old that never served me and grabbing onto the new that has worked for me. My problem is my mind. The answer lies within me that is most powerful than my thoughts. Getting connected with that power helped me. Being connected and staying connected to God my true self and others. That power is not my mind. The power is not my thoughts. That power is God that resides in me, resides in you. That power melts my self-defeating thoughts and conquers my heart and renews my mind. Now I'm connected to the power that will heal me and save me from me. All actions are born in thought. So what am I manifesting in my life and how am I affecting others with my actions? It's God's actions that keep me disciplined, live in his light and his love. Thank you, God, for this gift. And anyone can have this gift if they choose to grab onto it. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Irene. Next up, Nancy P., followed by Leah S. Good morning, Nancy. Hi. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. This is Nancy P. from Boston. So when I got to this part of when I was first starting to work the steps with my sponsor, around now I sort of was a little nervous. And I said, you know, we're talking about it, you know, our, in our allotted times over the week. And I said, you know, I'm kind of worried that I'm not going to get this God thing. And she said, well, you don't have to worry about that right now because you haven't had a spiritual awakening. And that, that I think, was the, was the nail in the balloon, as someone just said about deflating my ego. I didn't have to worry. You know, my whole life, I had to do everything perfectly the first time around with any, without any error, rehearsal, or anything. It had to be done. And, and I sort of quantified that as wanting to be places rather than to get places, and I also felt as though, you know, it was unfair that this disease had a physical manifestation and a mental manifestation, brought about by a mental manifestation, and it was unfair that the solution was spiritual. I wanted either therapy or some sort of a diet club to work. Like when I was, when my kids were tiny and I'd go to the doctor with them and the doctor would say, I don't know what's wrong. And I'd be like, what do you mean? I'm gave you my co-payment, give me the prescription or tell me what's wrong, you know, and I didn't like that, and the same with this, I never, you know, for decades, I just thought, this just isn't going to work for me, because I just am not ever going to get there, and, you know, I, I felt like I wanted a topical solution to a systemic problem, I wanted, 
cream for dry skin. What I really needed was cream for a wasted spirit. And I don't, there's no way to get that except by looking beyond the material world. And that one statement of my sponsors to, um, to just chill out until I had a spiritual awakening, she was not in a rush. And I'm happy to report that um, I did have a spiritual awakening. And it gets, like, I become more awake every day. You know, every day I, it's like I drink spiritual coffee and I get more and more awake. And, I'm, you know, I've, I've been, the fellowship has sprung up around me. I've got my people that I call. I've started to do the things that they say to do every day. So now I'm awake and I'm running this marathon chasing the spiritual recovery, and I'm not even out of breath. Instead, I'm, I'm energized by it. I'm, I'm uplifted. Everything that it promises, it's unbelievable. I feel like you guys could never know this. Like you could never know. Since 1971, I've been waiting for this. And finally, 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 it came to me. And I'm, I couldn't be happier. My life, believe me, has huge challenges. It is definitely not perfect. But I'm, I'm going, thank you, I'm going, living my life joyously every day. So thank you all for being there, and thank you for letting me share with that old path. Thank you so much, Nancy P. Next up, Leah S., followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so very much. This is Leah S., a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. So I'm going to go with this uh, last uh, couple of words. I had the curious feeling that my alcoholic condition was relieved, as in fact it proved to be so. Um, So when I came in uh, back in 2012, uh, to this program, um, I, I I knew all the things, everything that I had to admit in uh, step one. I knew all about it. I also knew that uh, there's God because there was constant talk about God all the time, everywhere. What I didn't do was concede it to my innermost self and to do the action myself. In other words, I had gone to Jenny Craig. I had gone to Weight Watchers. I had gone to, I had been yo-yoing my whole life. This is, this is like ridiculous. And always for more food and just to fit into that dress or those shoes. And, and, and what did it get me all the time? I'm going to I'm going to take this pill. I'm going to do this. Everyone should take responsibility for my weight except me. And that's the key word. I had no trust. I had no uh um I had I was I was afraid to be vulnerable. I was afraid to to let go of those reins. I didn't believe you until it came to the point where I just had to believe you because I saw that that moment had hit me right on target. And when that moment hit me, it just was smooth and sail riding. Not not uh, smooth, actually. Bumpy, but 
but definitely worth it, definitely. There is such serenity. There is uh, among chaos. There is um, there is intuitiveness. It is it is remarkable, and it is it is like it's undescribable if you really think into it. I thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Leah S. Next up, Lisa B. Followed by Knessa. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and thank you for your service. Um, I wanted to talk about the line. Then they outline the spiritual answer and program of action. Well, that is that's really a loaded line right there. Um, when I came in here, I had such a malady on me of discontentment, irritability, and restlessness that I had no idea the pervasiveness of this illness of compulsive overeating. That is me untreated, but I thought it was just about my um, inability to control my food. I had no idea that personality disorder, that spiritual malady, but that was really the crux of everything for me. That's why I need to have an overhaul, a personality change, a spiritual awakening. And it's almost like, you know, I'm parroting that line over and over because we hear that all the time, the spiritual awakening. But until I experienced it, it was like what was shared in a, a person or two before me. I had no idea really what that spiritual awakening was like. I had to go put that chapter into action, which are all direct acts against my will. I don't need to worry about whether I understand it or really feel anything. I just need to keep doing the steps and then let that experience happen. It happened inside of me from doing the steps. And there was an overhaul. So now that discontentment, that irritability, that restlessness is not there. I used to always feel uncomfortable in my own skin. I used to just always feel angst and unhappiness. A, a criticalness, um, an uneasiness that was just there always. I really think since I opened my eyes, you know, when I was born, it's just been there. And it, it, I didn't know that that is me as an untreated compulsive overeater. I had no idea the pervasiveness of this illness. So I just felt led to share that. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Lisa B. And was there a Knessa? It was. Thank you for hearing okay. me. Yes. Hey, Knessa, what's Thanks. your last I know virtual of your last name? Yep. Knessa K from Ohio. Thanks, Knessa. All right. Thank you. So, um, yeah, Knessa K uh, recovered from Ohio. It meant I would have to throw several lifelong conceptions out of the window. So, <clears throat> the first time I heard of OA, I was reading a diet book. And it was by, I think his name is Bob or Steve Green. Uh, it's Oprah's personal trainer. And she, he had a quote in his book about a woman who talked about Overeaters Anonymous and how, in her opinion, it was the only thing that worked. And um, at the, concurrently to reading that book, my brother was going through the 12 steps with AA and I started to notice a change in him. And I think my lifelong conceptions were starting to change as I read those words and saw the change in him. You know, 
I, there's a lot of people that talk on the line about, um, you know, the degrees and the schools. And I, I went to a nice university and I've got a bachelor's degree, but I, I, I ended up in, in sales. And, and I, I think it was a gift and um, that I have. I, I, I love it. I think it's just a fun line of work. It's very stressful. But what I do in my line of work is that <clears throat> I, I call on large accounts. And it's often like walking through a country without a map. And sometimes <clears throat> my peers and I throw our hands up in the air and we say, you know, we're not seeing something. What, what, why can't we piece this together? And that's often to me what it felt like prior to learning about OA. Um, while I was going through the 12 steps, um, one of the things that came out was me saying to my sponsor, I really don't like change, but I'm always ready to move forward. And that's where I was when I got to the point where I had heard enough meetings, been to enough meetings, tried enough things where I had to change my lifelong conceptions. I, I couldn't do it the way I was doing it anymore. And often in my line of work, we have to do that too. This isn't working. Let's try something else. Uh, let's, let's, let's come up with a different mix of what will work. And both situations can be frustrating. And when those situations collide, uh, that's calamity. Um, you know, we've all been there where our work isn't right, our weight isn't right, our head's not right, our marriages aren't right. All these things aren't right. And the interesting thing is, you know, when you really get in, in tune with the program and, and you're working it and it's working for you, you start to see how... Time. Oh, thank you. I didn't realize I was that far. You start to realize how um, all these things start to line up and you see the lifelong conceptions unfolding. So with that, I pass. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Kanessa. Um, we have time for one or two short shares. Vasa O. Anybody else? Terry B. Who was it? Terry? Terry B. I Terry with hear your first name. Terry. Okay. Terry. All right. Well, Vasa and Terry, you guys can keep it to about two minutes. We'll have time for both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly, for your service, and good morning, everyone in VASA, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, when I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I found hope where I had lost hope uh, after struggling with the food addiction for 25 years uh, of my life, uh, and it's not like I did not try, believe me, I tried. And I was willing, though. I, you know, I've been looking for the, you know, I was willing because I wanted to put the food down. I just didn't know, I couldn't put it down. I didn't know anything about the allergy. And I loved hearing, you know, I mean, when, I, when they told me there was a solution, I was just so grateful to hear about it. And, and then um, um, I, when I heard it was a spiritual program, it was not a religion program, that was even better for me. And it says here it meant I would, have to throw several lifelong conception out of the window. And, yeah, when I came to my first meeting, I'm looking for the scales. I'm looking for, you know, what I found in Gloria Stevens, you know. Pay, I thought I'd have to pay money. 
I mean, to find that was free program. If I could just put a, a dollar in the basket, it would be wonderful. And most of that, I was attracted because it was free program, and I could go, and nobody was going to force me to stay there, and nobody was going to force me to get out of, you know, to stay there or get out there, throw me out of the program. And it was, I mean, it was very, it was different, it was drastic. Uh, for me, what was one of the hardest things to do to put the food down. But, you know, but my sponsor said, the only way we can do it is we find a power greater than ourselves. We pray, you know, pray and throw ourselves in the program and the 12 steps. Oh, my goodness, my time is up. I, I just, I, I am so, so grateful that I have found this program. And nothing, nothing else worked before. And this is the only thing. Take the, be, to put the food down, Vasa, and do the steps the way they laid out one step at a time. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa, for keeping that short. And so now, Perry, you have two minutes. Okay, good morning. It's Perry B. in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, feeling a little bit discouraged this morning. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night, ate something that was in the freezer, and um, my husband brought this home. And uh, I'm, I'm sad because, you know, I've been in and out of the room for 35 years, and I always think that, you know, I can just lick it, but it doesn't seem like it's working sometimes, and I get frustrated and depressed that I have this addiction to sugar and flour, and I know I eat an orange, and it's a little bit of a trigger food for me, that fruit, and I know there's other very sweet fruits, and it seems that, you know, if something's in the house that's not something that I brought in, that my husband brought in, because he's also a sugar addict and a compulsive overeater. That is a huge challenge. And <laughs> to do that in the middle of the night, in the dark, is just insane. And I thought about what insanity was yesterday before this happened, because I knew this was in the freezer. And I know that it's doing the same thing over, expecting a different result. And being a therapist, a massage therapist, and now a hypnotist, I'm helping people all the time with their addictions and with relaxing. And I even had a a Reiki healing treatment yesterday in chiropractic and went grocery shopping, bought the wrong almond milk that had sugar in it. And I think when I drank a little bit of it, then it triggered it as well. (laughs) These triggers, they're just really um, devastating to me. And the sight of some of these foods for me are so scary. There was a huge cake in the refrigerator at my office, and I wanted that whole cake, not just one piece. So I know that I have to take that first step every day, admitting that I'm a cooker over you. And thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Perry. Okay. Well, that is the end of our meeting, so thank you to everyone who shared to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second and recorded hour of study immediately following our closing. The share ID for today for this meeting, Thursday, March 22nd, 11198. 11198. So, oh, wait a minute. Um, okay, well, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. 
So will Barbara E. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Barbara. I'll try and talk very, very fast and allow me for doing, uh, sorry, thank you for allowing me to do this service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 